0: Hello and welcome to the Learn English Football Podcast with your hosts, Tim and
1: Tom. Hi, Tim. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm good, but are you suffering from World Cup fever? My temperature is going up. Yes, I can feel it. Now I'm anxious. Can I organise my work schedule to get in all those football games that are coming up next week? That's what I'm most concerned about.
0: Well, yes. And uh, related to that, for any of our local Almeria listeners, the Central Lenguas at the university will be showing England-Iran, coincidentally, in my classroom at two o'clock. It's open to anybody who wants to come and watch the match. Um <laughs> No sign-up required, no organisation required, low-budget operation, but the match will be seen. Uh, Yeah, Tom, we've all got World Cup fever. I think people around the world are trying to juggle their work commitments and their World Cup commitments. To juggle something is to throw things in the air, maybe three balls in the air at the same time and keep them in the air. But we can also use it to mean organize different commitments. Um, Tom, this is the first episode of a two-part Left Pod World Cup preview special. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be looking in-depth at groups A, B, C, and D, talking about uh, some of the stories in those groups and making some predictions. Um, so, Tom, we've divided the groups. Uh, I've done some research into group A and C, and I believe you've done some research into group B and D. Uh, so let's start then. So let's start.
1: Well, I think we should go in alphabetical order. What do you think?
0: Sounds logical.
1: OK, well, that means it's up to you then, Tim. So I want to know, what do you make of Group A? Can you tell us what do you think of the teams and who do you think is going to qualify
0: well, Group A is—it's uh, an interesting group. Of course, the hosts, Qatar, uh, Senegal, uh, who are uh, Af- African Cup of Nations champions, uh, Netherlands, and Ecuador. And uh, I'm just going to give you my prediction for group finishes. Um, I think Netherlands will win the group, and I think Senegal will come second, with or without Sadio Mane. It doesn't matter if he's fit or not. But that doesn't tell the whole story. There's some interesting things that have happened in this group. I mean, Netherlands, I think, are going to win the group, but they have been flying under the radar. And to fly under the radar means to, to avoid attention, to avoid media attention. Nobody's talking about Holland or the Netherlands. Um, and maybe that's because they didn't quite qualify for the last World Cup, they didn't qualify for the last European Championships, But I think that forgets some of their World Cup pedigree. And when I say pedigree, I mean like a natural quality. Um, And um, let's face it, in the 2010 World Cup, they came second. They were runners-up to to Spain. And then in the 2014 World Cup, they came third place. Now, I know not many people remember who comes third, but in this case, it was Holland. So they've got a young squad, but they've got a very experienced manager in Louis van Gaal. So I, I certainly, wouldn't write holland off uh wouldn't dismiss their possibilities
1: how far do you think they can go in the tournament could they win it
0: i don't think they can win it i think they're too inexperienced and i think they're lacking a star player or two but i think they could go to the quarterfinals definitely maybe a semi-final with a good result or a bit of luck and then one of my favorite cases in the world cup ecuador because although they had a great world cup qualifying um they they didn't they did have some controversy as well they have a player called byron castillo who uh, officially is not ecuadorian but he played for them uh, throughout their world cup qualifying campaign there was a challenge a protest made by chile uh, but um that 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 protest was rejected but interestingly he hasn't been selected to play in the world cup squad so there's something slightly controversial. And they do like scoring goals. Only, only Brazil scored more goals than them in, in South American World Cup qualifying. Um, and then moving on to, uh, to Senegal, who I think will come second in the group. Uh, of course, their star player is Sadio Mane. Um, and there are questions about his fitness. He's, he's injured. Uh, Bayern Munich have said there's no way he will play in the World Cup. But The Senegal National Football Federation have sent him to a local faith healer. So they're going to be using some more traditional. uh, I think we uh, call that
1: I think we'd call that a witch doctor.
0: We could call it a witch doctor, you could call it a faith healer, or you could uh, you could call it a placebo effect. They're hoping for a placebo effect, but anyway, um, that's what they're they they they're, they're putting their faith in. But, away from away from so, so, uh, only uh, Sadio Mane, they've got, of course, they've got a good goalkeeper, they've got Mendy, they've got Koulibaly in defence, they've got Gay in midfield, and then potentially Mane up front. So they've got a strong spine to the side, and the big question will be, can they Go further than the 2002 quarterfinals, which of course they reached uh, that first famous Senegalese side.
1: Yes, all um, I remember that very well. All our hearts were broken when Luis Suarez handled the ball on the goal line, uh, preventing Senegal from scoring a winning goal with seconds remaining. And then the penalty was saved. So I remember that. It was one of those World Cup tragedies for, for the whole of Africa. It
0: really was, yes. And then the final team, of course, Qatar. A lot of people would write Qatar off to dismiss their chances, but they are Asian Cup champions. Um, so, and they finished above, uh, for example, South Korea in the in the in the Asian Cup and in the in the, in the qualifying for the World Cup. Um, but they have lost their last six games against teams that have qualified for that that have qualified for this World Cup. So I think uh, maybe some of their victories have come against smaller countries and i think they're going to find it difficult at this stage so tom that's my assessment of group a it's going to be an interesting group i would like to see qatar get a win just for i think a a victory for the host country is always good for the for the spirit of the world cup uh, and for the fans um so tom moving on to group b which of course is england's group isn't it
1: it is indeed yes we have england who are the favorites in fact england are the fifth favorites for the tournament to win the world cup uh, but as well as england we have the united states we have wales and we have iran so i will tell you my predictions i do think that england will qualify from this group i think on paper they are much stronger england have a squad that is actually worth uh, 1 point i think it's something like 1.1 billion Euros. Uh, This is at least four times more than the next strongest team. Uh, Could you guess which which squad after England in that group is the second most expensive squad of players, Tim? Is it Wales, Iran or United States?
0: I'm going to go Wales. Uh, That's
1: what I thought, but you'd be wrong. Actually, the United States now uh, comes in second place with a squad of 277 million Euros. I've got an interesting An interesting
0: statistic about the Major League Soccer, uh, MLS. Uh, MLS is the league providing the most players to the World Cup outside the top five European leagues. So it really shows the development of the MLS over the last couple of decades.
1: Interesting, which brings me on to the the next point, really, which is who's going to come second? And I think most people would agree that it's a, a close race between Wales and the United States. On the one hand, you would fancy Wales because they have a lot of players with experience of playing in the English Premier Division or the English Championship, which is a very highly competitive football league uh, of a high pedigree, as you mentioned, that word to talk about the Dutch team. Uh, But on the other hand, that other point you made, the United States squad is not the United States squad of old. In the past, we might have one player over in the English leagues. Now we've got a whole selection. We've got Carter Vickers at Celtic, Anthony Robinson and Tim Ream at Fulham. We've got Tyler Adams holding midfielder for Leeds United. And then, of course, we've got our Italians, Weston McKennie and Dest at Juventus and AC Milan. We've got Pulisic at Chelsea, Giovanni Reiner and Arison, uh, another Leeds United player, and Reiner, of course, at Dortmund. So... Already from the names I've mentioned, you can hear that it's not just one or two superstars. This USA team potentially has seven or eight quality players on the field. And for that reason, I'm going to put them as finishing second, if not first. I say first because I think England will qualify, but it's never easy for England. Wales know us very, very well. Uh, We could easily get a draw or even lose against this Wales team. Likewise. The United States have a fantastic history against England in World Cup football. They famously eliminated us from the World Cup in 1950 in Brazil, uh, and they drew with us in 2010 at the World Cup in in South Africa. So I could easily see this group being very, very close right until the final set of games. Uh, I have to mention something about Iran, the fourth team. They have, of course got Carlos Queroz, the famous Portuguese coach. They put him in place in September, but he hasn't had a lot of time to work with this squad. Their superstar is undoubtedly Mehdi Taremi, the, the Porto striker, who is uh, 30 years old, 27 goals in 60 games. So he's definitely the man to watch. They've got one other striker, Sada Azbun, who's come up through the Russian football associations, teams like Ruben Kazan and Zenit St. Petersburg. And now he's at Bayer Leverkusen. Apart from that, there's nothing really in the Iran squad that makes you think they're going to be a threat that they could challenge in this group. So I'm going to say this group will be incredibly close until the final games, and then it will be England and the USA who will go through, mainly because as much as I love Wales and they could cause an upset with, of course, Gareth Bale, we have to consider that Ramsey hasn't been playing much football. Joe Allen is injured. Uh, Even with a good defence. I, I like their Leicester goalkeeper, Danny Ward. I like their centre-back, Chris Mepham. I don't think they've got enough quality in the squad. I think the United States have more than them. So I'm saying England or USA first, and the other one in seconds for Group B. I've
0: got another interesting stat for you statisticians, statisticians out there. Uh, group B is actually the, sta- uh, the official group of death. It's the group with the lowest-ranking seeds, average. Uh, the average-ranked seed is 15, and there's only 15 places between the highest-ranked team, England, in fifth, and the lowest-ranked team, Iran, in 20th. So, yeah, could be an interesting group. Um,
1: when yeah, we talk about uh, well, seeds, we're talking about the ranking of the teams going into the tournament. The number one seed would be Brazil in this case, Yes, of Number course, there are questions. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yes, there are questions, of course, over the the validity of the FIFA ranking system, but that's a, a different question for a different podcast. Um, yeah, I think it will be an interesting group. Group B. Uh, the question is uh, how how will America's star players come into this tournament? Because Pulisic, for example, has not been playing a lot of minutes for Chelsea, um, and
1: we we also have to consider the form of England. Of course, they're the bookies favourites. I mentioned fifth favourite to win the tournament, but they had a terrible League of Nations tournament not, not long ago. Their last six competitive games drawn to lost four. Uh, one question for you, Tim, as an England fan. Are you happy with the squad selection or would you have rather seen a player like Ivan Tony come in for one of our attacking players like Rashford or Callum Wilson?
0: Um, That is an interesting question. I do think um, Ivan Tony was worth a place in the side. Uh, That's a question I've actually done some research on. I went back to the 1998 World Cup's England squad, and I've looked at every England squad since 1998. And this is the first squad... That England have gone to a World Cup with with only two recognized central strikers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think this has really emphasized this decision's strangeness, when you consider that most squads are 22 players, and this is a 26 man squad. So even though the squad's four people bigger, um, they they didn't find a, a third striker spot. And I worry about that because Callum Wilson, although he's a very good player, does have a terrible injury record. And I worry that if Kane was to get an injury in the first game or two, then we would be putting all our eggs in the Callum Wilson basket, uh, yes. meaning... No, no, we wouldn't be spreading our risk. We'd be putting all of our faith and all of our options depending on, on the fitness of Callum Wilson. I so I that, would...
1: That, yes, sorry. Have, I,
0: sorry, I would have sacrificed. I don't know if it would have been Rashford or one of our five right backs, maybe. Um, But for yeah, I don't think it makes sense to have three goalkeepers in a squad, but only two strikers when you know your goalkeeper is not going to be substituted and your, your goalkeeper is very unlikely to be injured.
1: I too would have uh, sacrificed Rashford because we've already got Bakari Saka and uh, we've got another very fast uh, winger. Grealish, we've got yeah. Grealish,
0: we've got uh, Foden. Phil we've Foden, got, uh...
1: that's right, yes. So yes. Uh, I am happy with James Madison as a late selection coming into midfield. I think his form at Leicester City has merited him a place in the squad. I am worried about two aspects, though. I'm worried about our full We've had injuries to Ben Chilwell and Rhys James, which means that we only have one left-back available, Luke Shaw, Manchester United, sometimes great, other times so-so. And on the right, it means that it gives more opportunity for Trent Alexander-Arnold, who we know is a fantastic player going forward, but often looks very vulnerable in the big games playing at the back. So I question whether England have the quality and the fullbacks to go far in this tournament. And my second doubt is about Southgate. I find him quite a conservative, a pragmatic manager. I'm not sure if he's the kind of manager who will take the necessary risks if he sees that the team is struggling, meaning they are they are losing a battle and he needs to take a gamble, do something bold and brave. I'm not sure if Southgate is the man for the job anymore. So sorry, <laughs> sorry for the pessimism, England fans. I would love us to win it, but I'm not sure if this is the squad of players.
0: I yeah, I agree with some of your questions about the England squad. Um, I think Trippier will probably play at right back. I, I think you're right. I think Southgate doesn't trust uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, and I think Luke Shaw generally plays well for England, but I think you're right. His, his performances for Manchester United are certainly inconsistent and hopefully he can bring his best game to the World Cup. Um, but yes, so Tom, uh, Group C... Uh, group C is an interesting group. I've been thinking about this group all morning. Um, it's, been, it's been great fun, to be honest, uh, instead of working, thinking about football. Um, we've got Argentina, who need no introduction. Mexico. Poland, and Saudi Arabia. So I think there are three teams, realistically, who could take points off each other. And that's what makes this a really interesting group. Personally speaking, I think uh, the group is going to go in the order I read it. I think it's going to be Argentina who win the group, Mexico in second place, Poland in third, and uh, the wooden spoon in the group to Saudi Arabia. Um I think Argentina are one of my favorites for the tournament. I've got two favorites and Argentina are one of them. They're 17 matches unbeaten in World Cup qualifying. They're 35 matches unbeaten in all in all matches which is the longest unbeaten run in world football currently. Um and they're Copa America champions, so they've got that monkey off their back. And to get a monkey off your back means to uh, to get rid of the thing which was uh, the reason people criticised you or the thing which was making you depressed or worried or doubt yourself. Uh, they've got that monkey off their back, which maybe takes a bit of the pressure off some of the players and even Lionel Messi. You know, a lot of the um, the monkey on Lionel Messi's back, of course, was that he'd never won anything for Argentina. But now he has won that, that Cup of America. I, I think maybe he can play a bit more freely. And I think that's one of the problems sometimes we've seen uh, with Messi at international level is he feels, he, you can see he's thinking a lot, maybe more than he thinks when playing for Argentina, uh, for Barcelona, sorry. Um, and then moving on to Mexico. Uh, sorry, a couple. Uh, sorry, last thing about this Argentina side. Uh, they've got a good goalkeeper, uh, of course, Martinez uh, from Aston Villa, which isn't something they've they've always had. And this group of players now has been playing together for a long time. They're a settled side, um, and I think this 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 can really help them uh, play their best football when it matters. Uh, moving on to Mexico. Uh, Mexico haven't had a great qualifying. Um, Tata Martino is the manager. He's under pressure. Um, but they are a team with World Cup pedigree. They have eight straight World Cup qualification group from the group stages. So that means they've got to the knockout stages in their last eight World Cups. That's actually Um, an
1: incredible record when you think about that for a a team like a country like Mexico to make that achievement is, is something very special.
0: Yeah, exactly. It certainly is. And they've got some household names that I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know. They've got Raul Jiménez, of course, the wolf striker. They've got Erling uh, Lozano playing at Napoli, who, of course, impressed in the previous World Cup to get his big move to Europe. They've got Edson Alvarez uh, playing Ajax. Um, So they have got some quality. They've got players with top level Champions League experience. The the question is what Mexico is going to turn up? Is it going to be the Mexico with World Cup pedigree, or is it the Mexico which has had a disappointing Gold Cup, a disappointing qualification campaign, and a disappointing Nations League? Uh, and that's the big question. Personally, my instinct is telling me that um, that they're going to turn up and they're going to play good football. I can feel it in my bones, and that means I've got like an instinctive feeling. Um, And the other reason why I think Mexico will be successful is because I think Poland will be unsuccessful. Uh, Poland uh, went into the 2018 World Cup saying we've got the best striker in the world, um, but Lewandowski didn't score a goal and they went out of the 2018 uh, World Cup in the group stage. They went into the 2020 World Cup with the highest scoring striker in world football. Lewandowski didn't score a goal. They came last in their group and they were eliminated. So I think there there are some things which tell me that Poland bottle it on the biggest stage. And to bottle it means to lose your cool, to lose your composure, to lose your quality when the pressure's on.
1: You can also say to lose your bottle as well. To lose your bottle,
0: to bottle it, yes. Poland are a country that, for me, has a history of losing its bottle. And I think those things stay in the minds of the players um, and and potentially could be a problem for them. However, that being said... um, they and they did qualify in the, in the knockout stage of the playoff um for the world cup they beat they beat sweden 2-0 and this is where my hope comes from for poland they were they were the they were quite obviously not the, be- the better side against Sweden. Sweden dominated the ball, dominated possession, but didn't create many chances. And Poland were able to keep Sweden at arm's length, to keep them in a safe position, to not let them get too close to their own goal. And that counterattacking style of football um, might be their route to success. Um, because they are going to come up against bigger countries like Argentina and Mexico. And if they can play a successful defensive style of football and hit teams on the counterattack, that could be their route to success. However, coming into the World Cup, they're on the last five games, uh, one win, one draw, three losses. So mm. that's not great form coming it's into a World
1: Cup. It's not sparkling form.
0: No, it's certainly not sparkling form. No. Um, and then finally, Saudi Arabia, the green Falcons, the whipping boys of the group, uh, to whip is what you might do if you wanted to hit a horse to make it go faster. Yeah, I'm sure to, with a little to, bit... to,
1: del- to deliver, to deliver punishment to yes, whip someone.
0: I, we can make people understand with a little bit of a sound effect.
1: Um,
0: I'm sure our listeners understand the whipping boys, the team that everyone will beat easily. Um, They are the second-lowest-ranked side in the World Cup in 51st position in the the FIFA seedings. Uh, They've only scored four goals in their last nine matches against other teams who have qualified for the World Cup. Um, However, um, they they did qualify for the knockout stage in in the World Cup in 1994. They have um, an experienced manager in Irv Renard, Sorry about my French pronunciation. If I if I pronounce it as it's written, Hervé Renard, but I'm sure my French colleagues uh, would uh, would be angry at me for for that pronunciation. Um, <laughs> but he's taken Ivory Coast and Zambia to African nation success. Um, so he's got he's got a, he's obviously got a blueprint for uh, success with smaller nations. And also the other thing is. They, they all all of their players almost all of their players play in the Saudi Arabian Pro League they're very familiar playing together it's a fixed group um they've played a lot of friendlies coming into the to the world cup so it's not like the european teams who finished their league tournaments last week have no friendlies and then play a world cup match next week so and i think this could be a factor in this world cup how together the players feel how many games they've played together could be a key factor but for all those for all that positivity i do think saudi arabia are going to be the whipping boys and i do think argentina are going to win the group and i think they're going to win it quite comfortably because i think poland and mexico won't won't get a result against argentina
1: Yes, I I would agree with your analysis there, really. I I agree. You mentioned Hervé Reynard. He is a specialist manager of these international teams. He has been around on the scene, as you say, 20 years, uh, especially to come in and try and improve a team, make them better than the sum of their parts collectively. And you're right, he has had success with Zambia. Did he also go to Cambridge United briefly? Does that ring a bell?
0: I wouldn't like to comment.
1: We'd have to check. We'd have to check that one. Something in my memory thinks he might have come to our home city, Cambridge. Uh, I also agree with you that Poland for second place, along with Mexico, that will be the battle, Poland against Mexico. And I'm inclined to agree that Mexico probably just have a little bit more cutting edge by cutting edge. I mean, perhaps just a little bit more attacking experience and ability to to make a difference in a tournament. Poland to me seem to be draw specialists they're very good at setting up defensively and uh hitting the ball long to Lewandowski or you know a, a quick ball through midfield but I haven't seen them as a you know a fully accomplished team in possession of the ball at this moment in time.
0: I can confirm that uh Herve Renard, Cambridge United manager in 2004, 25 games, four games won, seven games drawn, 14 games lost. So uh, I think uh, we can we can we can discount uh, Saudi Arabia from any chances of success. Uh, But what a story, though, from Cambridge United to the World Cup. Fair play to him. Via Angolia, Cherbourg, Zambia, uh, Soche. Uh, Ivory Coast, Lille, Morocco, and now Arabia, Saudi Arabia. What, what a run.
1: So, mm-hmm. Tom, tell me about Group D. Group D. Well, we have the mighty Australia, Denmark, France, and Tunisia. And uh, I'm sure our listeners can imagine exactly how I'm going to call this group. I'm not going to leave them in surprise here. France will go through this group on top. Uh, or actually, France and Denmark, I should say. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Denmark in the moment, but those two teams will qualify comfortably Uh, Australia and Tunisia uh, regrettably looking through the squads, you just don't see that there is enough talent to compete. Australia, of course, they have an experienced goalkeeper in Matthew Ryan, uh, who's played in the Premier League before some seasons at Brighton. Uh, They have Aaron Mui, who was at uh, Huddersfield Town in their midfields. Uh, And they've got a very young, exciting player called Garang Kaul, who's only 18 or 19 years old, who looks very promising. Apart from that, you look at the squad and you just wonder if they have enough experience in uh, international tournament football to do very much their squad is one of the least valuable ones they're only worth 38.4 million euros collectively so I'm sorry Australians uh, but let's be honest you didn't expect to qualify in this tournament either Uh, but let me you you never know you might surprise us Uh, I'll also briefly mention Tunisia they have a little bit more quality. They have a squad worth 62 million euros. Uh, their star player is a defensive midfielder from Cologne called Ellis Skihiri. Uh He's worth 13 million. But apart from that, they have some quality in French top flight football. Uh, they have Kazri, who you might remember, Tim, from the Premier League. Was he at Hull City, Kazri?
0: Oh, you're testing my memory there. He could. <laughs> he could have been.
1: That's right, but he is now on the the wrong side of 30, as we say. He's getting a little bit long in the tooth, maybe, meaning he's becoming a veteran. He might not have the, uh, the speed that's required in this tournament football. So that brings us on to the best two teams. Now, with France, where do you start, Tim? If you're Didier Deschamps, you have the opposite problem from the coach of uh australia or the coach of tunisia you have too many players to choose from you have so much strength in depth uh, starting with the defense you've got players like kunde saliba upamecano uh, Lucas Varane. hernandez varan conate uh, the liverpool uh, Teo hernandez ac milan uh, benjamin pavard bayern munich Uh, that's just the defenders. You know, you could easily pick two world-class defenders for each of the four positions across the back. Uh, You come on into midfield, again, rich in talent. Very young midfield. Uh, We know, of course, that N'Golo Nkante and Paul Pogba are injured. They will not be at the tournament. But we have to question if they would have been good enough. Well, Kante, I think we would say, would get in. Pogba, his form, maybe he wouldn't have got in anyway. We've got players... Uh, like Günduzi, the ex-Arsenal man. Uh, Chouameni. Chouameni, Kamavinga, uh, Yusuf Fofana, Adrien Rabot. Uh, and then when we get onto the attacking players, you can't look further than Mbappe, Ben Thimer, Uh You've got, of course... Uh, Dembele, Giroud. Dembele, Giroud, yes. Uh, Anton Griezmann, Griezmann. Yes. So i like is... to stop you there. You say you can't
0: look further than Mbappe and and Benzema. And there, there, there is the heart of my question. I think you can look further than Benzema. France, of course, won the World Cup without Benzema, with Giroud, playing a very um, stable-style uh, attacking uh, game. And let's not forget, they won the World Cup in 1998 with, uh, was it Gorkouf up front? Mm-hmm. Uh, so France have won the World Cup twice, both times, their number nine has failed to score a goal.
1: Um, well, and... this is very interesting, Tim. This makes you wonder, is their number nine there as a true striker? Or is their number going nine to there make... as the first defender in the team?
0: Who's going to make Mbappe play better? Who's going to make Dembele play better? Who's going to make Griezmann play better? And I wonder if the answer to that question might be Giroud. Even though, obviously, on an individual level, Giroud can't compete with Benzema in terms of technical quality, vision, panache, flair. Um, But his contribution to the side is massive. Who do you think they'll start, Tom? Do you think they'll start Benzema or do you think they'll start Giroud?
1: I think they have to start the Ballon d'Or winner Benzema all the way but they will have Giroud ready on the bench ready to come on and make an impact and even if they qualify early as you might expect them to do after two games in the group you could see Giroud starting the third group game for France Uh, but you do make a good point actually Tim and this is something very interesting about France that Tactically, they tend to sacrifice their number nine striker and make him do a lot of the kind of uh, almost the water-carrying work that Didier Deschamps himself used to do as a hard-working midfielder in that team in the 90s. Uh, But it does open up the space and create opportunities for the very fast players like uh, Usama Dembele and Kylian Mbappe that go on around him. So France, I have to say, they could well be... uh, If not the favourite, they are certainly in the top three, top four favourites to win it. The question is, uh, can the coach gel the team together? And can they do, which is very, very hard to do, can they win back-to-back World Cups? I'm not sure. I I would still favour Brazil or Argentina over France, but you have to look at them and think they are one of the strongest teams on paper.
0: Yes, uh, I, I think a couple of things. Denmark, I think, are still the people's favourites because of what happened with Christian Eriksen and his heart issues on the pitch at the European Championships, still fresh in people's memories. Um, and, and they really did capture people's imagination. And I think the real question for this France side is can these centre midfielders step into um Pogba's shoes um and and because it, although Pogba has has been inconsistent for a few seasons he's always played well for France he's always stepped up when it matters to step up t- to step up when it matters is mean to perform at your best when it matters when it's important um and Angolo uh, Kante i think um every every club, you speak to you speak to their fans and you 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 hear that the importance of Kante is realized only when he's not playing. Um, and I wonder if that's uh, they'll find out exactly how important Angolo uh, Kante was to their to their previous World Cup victory uh, during this World Cup. I think there's a lot of pressure on young shoulders mm-hmm. in uh, in Cavaninga and uh, Ch- chumani so um, i'm going to
1: make a based on that i'm going to make a bold prediction now you mentioned denmark as the people's favorite i'm going to predict that denmark will qualify first in this group precisely for the point you made the new french midfielders chuameni Canavinga, they don't have that experience of working together so much with the team if you compare that with this ten this denmark team and we should mention well we can't look further then the incredible captain, uh, you might you might not want to agree with me, but I think you have to agree with me when I say Pierre-Emil Heuberg, Tim. Uh, what a player he is. What do you think?
0: Well, I actually think he's not having his greatest season. I think he was playing better football last season. But he's very workmanlike. Uh, he gets up and down the pitch. He's a real box-to-box midfielder. He puts himself about... But I do wonder if his, uh, his touch isn't quite what might be required for a little bit more tactical, a little bit more considered international football.
1: Okay, well, I'm not surprised as an Arsenal fan you found the weakness. Yes, certainly perhaps his touch and even his finishing is not always as sharp as accurate as it could be. But when you talk about his workmanlike quality, when 100%. you watch Denmark play a game, you will see Hoiberg is everywhere on the field. His, his understanding of the game and his positioning is so good. that And, and also uh, what he does with the ball. You will find that he rarely makes a mistake. He's always very, very clear in his objective, and he always does the right thing and creates something positive for his team when he's in possession. Uh, but we shouldn't just talk about Hoyberg. they've got a fantastic, experienced keeper in Kasper Schmeichel. They've got excellent defenders now. Joachim Anderson at Crystal Palace is having a very good season, Christensen at uh, Barcelona, Simon Kier, the captain. Uh, he's, he might have been injured recently, we're not Christian sure Eriksen, of course. Christian Eriksson as well. What a comeback he has had from that almost tragic incident where he collapsed at the Euros. And I believe he's now got a like an automatic pacemaker on his heart just to make sure that it doesn't happen again. You could fact, argue... That's
0: why he that's why he left into Milan.
1: Uh-huh. Well, because you could argue the he's... Italian yes, League,
0: sorry, the Italian League doesn't permit you to play with a pacemaker.
1: Mm-hmm. for insurance
0: reasons so he had to leave italy for 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 because of his pacemaker sorry to interrupt
1: that's okay well you could argue now with the artificial pacemaker inserted into his body he's playing even as good as he was at tottenham he might not be scoring quite so many free kicks obviously he's got competition with players like bruno fernandes around him at manchester united but he is looking just as dangerous and uh, and yes aggressive as he used to be so I think that this Denmark team have a wonderful ex- uh, balance of youth and experience, and they are my dark horse for this tournament. I think that they could go as far as a semifinal or dare I say it, even a final. Could they win it? That's a bold statement, but I think they will go far. They are my dark horse.
0: OK, OK. When you talked about that tragic incident, I didn't know if you were referring to his heart problems or his signing for Tottenham or Manchester United. But yes, <laughs> um, tragic. Yes, um, I don't I, I certainly can't agree with you uh, with but Denmark going as far as a, a, a semifinal or a final. But I think they're one of those sides. They're not going to roll over against anyone. To roll over means to, to make it easy for the opposition. They're not going to roll over against anyone. Uh, but I think when a top level team, like some of the teams we've mentioned today, Argentina, uh, Senegal, Netherlands, France, when they come up against them, if they're on their game that day, they won't have too many problems, I don't think. Uh, just the lack of real technical quality and thinking on the ball. Um, but it's interesting. I do think you're right. I think they strong favorites to to come to definitely qualify from the group. Um so Tom this is uh, the first part of our two part World Cup group stage preview special on the left pod Learn English Football podcast. Um We'll be coming up with another part two uh, tomorrow or Friday, um, and uh, I'm sure our listeners are absolutely buzzing when it comes to the World Cup. Uh, we've done our bit to hype the World Cup up, um, and as uh, as as I'm sure as I'm sure a lot of our listeners who follow us on TikTok will know, the build up to the World Cup is one of the most exciting parts. Um, do you get that same feeling, Tom, before a World Cup in the build up?
1: I do. I must admit. There has been a little change now since 2018 it's no longer the the winning team who plays the first game the opening game of the new tournament now it's the host country so four years ago we had Russia against Saudi Arabia this year we've got Qatar against Ecuador Uh, when I look at that fixture I lose a little bit of excitement compared with the past where it used to be the champions trying to defend the the trophy in the first game but Then I look further down the fixture list, I see England are playing the day after, and I look at all those other exciting, interesting looking games, especially you mentioned Argentina, Mexico should be a cracker. Uh, So yes, I am excited.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. So, Tom, to all of our listeners, thank you very much. Uh, Follow us on TikTok. uh, Share our podcast with everybody you know who likes to speak football. Um, I I, I know all of our listeners give us great feedback saying it's a really good listening resource to help them practice. Um, And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing them soon on a future podcast for part two of the group stage
1: preview. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks, Tim. See you soon. Bye, guys.